Hi, I'm Kate Montague. And I'm Jess Bennett. And you're listening to the AudioCraft Podcast, a series of recordings from our 2017 conference. So we know there are lots of conversation style podcasts out there, but there's a big difference between the really, really good ones and the rest of them. So in this session, we're going to talk about the things that make that difference. Our moderator is Tom Wright, EP of ABC Radio Comedy. Our panellists are podcasters Lee Tran Lam, Andrew Levins and Kamna Mudagani. So just a quick warning, there might be some swearing. <laughs> this is a podcast space, so I hope everyone's cool with that. If you're offended, you can leave. No, I'm joking. Uh, that's about now um, as you can tell I'm from the UK Uh, that means I work for these guys BBC British Broadcasting Corporation and um, spent a lot of time with them basically being told what I couldn't do I couldn't swear I couldn't do this I couldn't do that and you couldn't get a long-term job (laughs) so um, I decided unfortunately that my uh, slightly irritating uh, habit of uh, taking the piss out of everything so I went to go join the dark side Uncle Rupert, as we called him. That's him applying the death grip on Theresa May at the moment. (laughs) But Rupert, apart apart from poisoning public debate in the English-speaking world, has other hobbies, which is surprisingly supporting weird-ass comedy like this. (laughs) The Bugle. Audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to Bugle 91 for the week beginning Monday, the 5th of October 2009, with me, Andy Zaltzman, here in the city that hasn't burnt down for over 343 (laughs) years, and counting, London, and fresh from smashing Pittsburgh to pieces last week, now back... In the altogether more peaceful city of New York, it's the doctor of drollery, the surgeon of satire, the homeopathic healer of hilarity, the physician of fun, the quack of quips, John Oliver, MD. (laughs) the police, Andy! (laughs) (laughs) So, that was me ten years ago when we started the Bugle, pre-one of these, hilariously, pre-social media, and wonderful to be back. I'm now exec producer for ABC Audio Studios, uh, specialising in comedy. And it is wonderful to be addressing a bunch of you guys interested in this world that we've all created. My uh, people on the panel here. First up, Kamna Mudagani. Hi, I'm Kamna. And I'm Brody. Welcome to Can You Not, a show about how two women consume the world and vice versa. In this inaugural episode, we'll be chatting about the Sweatshop Boys album Cashmere, the low culture brush that tars every conversation about reality TV, and how Black China is the TV star we all deserve. You'll also hear me reacting to Kanye West's birthday gift for Kim Kardashian live streaming. <laughs> so that's Kamna, and uh, Lee Tran Lam here is responsible for the unbearable likeness of being hungry. If you enjoy food uh, or Sydney or both, it is a wonderful thing to listen to. Uh, I'd also like to play this clip which she picked out of her interviewing Annabelle Crabb from the ABC. I put, as we left, my laptop in the oven just in case there was a break-in and wouldn't, uh, they'd be, that'd be the last place they look for it. What? what? Uh, I don't know what I was thinking. And of course I totally forgot about it and then the second we got back, I was seized with this need to make an apple pie. I don't know why. So, of course, I put the oven on to preheat. Interesting thing is that after about 30 minutes in a moderate oven, that computer was still able to get online. Like, it, it, it was all bubbly. That's amazing. And the keys were a bit fused. But we actually managed to get all these key files off it. And what happened in the end was that it ran out of battery. 
And, and lastly, uh, someone who's not welcome at the Meredith Music Festival anytime soon, uh, our good friend uh, Levin's, uh, one of the many hundreds of podcasts he seems to make, is this, The Mitchin. It's The Mitchin Podcast. Hey, what's up and welcome to The Mitchin. My name is Andrew Levins and this is a podcast all about food. My, pod, my podcast host... Co-host is Mitchell from Acme. <laughs> What's up, Mitch? How you What's doing? What's up, bro? How are you? Uh, last week we we got into it. We did uh, with our good friends Michael Eggett. Got and a bit emotional. Kylie Avia. Um, we uh, we talked at length about the new changes to the four, five, seven visas and how they're going to affect the hospitality industry. Recorded a few videos, put them online. Shit went crazy, Mitch. Viral even. We got accused of maybe not knowing what we're talking about, That's which I agree with. Not the first <laughs> and not the last time. That's going to happen. So, we are qualified to talk about conversational-style podcasts. There are around 330,000 mostly conversational podcasts out there in the world. A lot of them not very good. So, we're going to try and build one that is good. Now, we need your help. Could I have the mic ready, please? The roving mic. I need someone to volunteer an idea they're thinking about or might not be thinking about, and they want to turn it into a conversational-style podcast. Come on, don't be shy. I'll have to make up one. <laughs> and he's never made a podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> we have a winner. The girls, yes. There we go. Round of applause for such bravery. Um, okay, so the idea is uh, two girls um, who watch... Uh, family TV shows, TV shows aimed at kids and family, and then like recap them and look at the representation of female characters wow. from a more this adult a context. Yes, well, we like this already. Well done. So, uh, I'll leave Andrew's uh, Andrew's talk on copyright infringement is uh, just <laughs> after this. <laughs> Uh, what we're going to do is run through it. I'm going to ask them a series of questions, the panel, and they're going to apply it to this great idea of children's TV and female representation. Is that good with you guys? Okay. Good. All right. So, firstly, what makes a good conversation podcast, in your opinion? So, I think what makes a good conversation podcast, and I thought about this a little bit, is, is having a good enough conversation that the listener feels a part of it and feels like they got something from it regardless of not having a voice necessarily. And I think um, the best podcasts are the ones that you can walk away and feel like you had that conversation directly with the people that you were talking to. Um, and I think that's kind of what is the best thing about listening to conversational podcasts. I think that the candidness is probably the most, the biggest factor for me. Um, I don't I don't really listen to many of the overproduced, um, you know, uh, I don't know how to say this without being too slanderous to half the people that came to this conference. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, I like listening to a conversation. I don't really like listening to someone read out something that they've written. I'd rather just read it. Um, so I think it's really important when you're listening to uh, a conversation between two people that it's it, just, it feels like something that's happening for the first time. It doesn't feel re rehearsed. Mm -hmm. It feels like, you know, you've just watched this incredible episode of seventh heaven and uh you've never seen it before and it's it's time to riff and um you know who's better the mum or one of the three daughters um i assume those are those are four of the seven characters <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know i, I think it, it is about the the relationship between the two hosts whether it's a host and a guest or a or, or two li you know lifelong friends that have grown up with 
um, family television and, uh, and can't wait to share it with whoever will listen. So to recap, if you're doing your TV show chat, it's got to be accessible to people who are not aware of maybe the TV shows. Maybe they're not like you guys. How do you make that approachable? And making sure it's not over-rehearsed, over-thought. Uh, but it's very hard as well, because you do have to prepare as well. I, I, that's the bit I'd add as well. So it's a fine balance to strike. Right, it's question two. The idea itself, let's look at it. You've picked out a very good subject matter. I will start this, because this is one of the things I do an awful lot. But it's looking at the idea that is specific enough that you go, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about female representation in family comedy, uh, TV. Great, fantastic. But it's wide enough that you've got loads and loads of different options. You can go classic, you can go cartoon, you can go modern, you can go whatever way you want. That means you're not restricted in your specialty, but it has to be special. It has to have something, you can't just do a general thing. One of the mistakes I made was to build an arts podcast. What does arts even mean? It means film, it means music. Ah, oh, I like film, I like music. Arts, <laughs> not, not any disrespect to arts, I love doing art stuff, but it's the way that it's packaged, that it's too general, you can't hang anything off that. I'll let you guys go. Yeah, so I do a podcast about food, but I get a lot of people who say, I don't really care about food, but I enjoy listening to yours. And I think what I try to do is just zero in on stuff that's interesting, even if you don't know who the hottest chef is. Like, so that Annabelle Crab snippet, that's really interesting, because isn't it crazy that she put yeah. her laptop in the oven, and it's not even the worst thing she's ever cooked. <laughs> she said the worst thing she ever, uh, one of the worst things she'd ever cooked was this um, pastry that she tried to freestyle for, um, I think, Penny Wong, and it was just a bit of a disaster. Um, like, one interview I did with a chef who's not very well known, um, one of the things that got him into being a chef was, um, and it, it involved an incident with the bomb squad. And I feel like you don't have to care about food to find that interesting because we've got the bomb squad involved. So in your podcast, can you zero in on certain things? Like you're talking about game shows and I just automatically thought about, do you remember Adriana Zanides who was the Wheel of Fortune um, hostess? And then how she had like a breakdown on TV and it was quite a public story. Um, like maybe there are things you can pull out that would make it more specific and interesting rather than yeah. aren't game shows cool, you know. Do you guys want to chip in or are you? Um, yeah, I think in terms of like what is a great idea, I probably go against like our podcast probably goes against the idea of finding something that is general and niche because literally when we started we were like oh we both like a lot of things that are like the average old white man would say that we're like not very smart for lacking and like are wasting our intellect for lacking but really we both engage with it in a, in a way that's more than what initially sort of comes to mind when you think about the Kardashians or when you think about um, hip hop music. Socks. Yeah, that's exactly. Socks. Yeah. Um, fan fiction, yeah. And the idea that our podcast wasn't really like created with a specific um, angle, so to speak, except for the fact that we were two young women who perceived the world in a different way to what we were being told yeah. it should look like or, it, you know, what was important and what wasn't important. So I think like 
that idea that you came up with is like so beautifully composed already that like mm. it's it's great. But yeah, and and I feel like all my podcasts aren't the same as they were when I when, well, like yeah. what I had in mind when I when I started it. So my advice, if you if you haven't started a podcast yet, like you don't work for anyone. This is your own thing. So just record it. And within six months, it will become something completely different. Doesn't really, like I would I would worry about recording it, getting your voices right and your kind of back and forth your repertoire yeah. uh, correct before you worry about it finding an audience, um, because it'll probably evolve beyond what you initially set out to do very quickly. I'll add that if you're going to have an idea, there are three hundred thirty thousand ideas. Research what makes yours original. I get pitched stuff quite a lot, and a lot of it is, hey, it's just like Slate's Culture Gab Fest. Oh, what, that one I can download for free at any time that's very popular and good? Yes. <laughs> so why, why are we making a, a, a copy of that? Um, I can say from an ABC institutional point of view, there's been a whole culture of commissioning because it sounds or looks like something else so that there's no risk involved and I won't be fired for wasting X thousand dollars. Podcast doesn't have that. It's this wonderful moment where, no, it needs to be original. Everyone is very, everyone is very unique. What a stupid thing to say. <laughs> everyone is unique. There's no gradation of unique. But what I mean is the idea needs to be one of a kind and that's quite hard to do but you know yourself what you're most interested and passionate about, so that's a good place to start. All right, uh, <clears throat> preparation. How do we prepare? Um, I'm a real research nerd, and in any other situation, if someone said, how the hell do you know that, that would be creepy, but in an interview, that's like, you know, you kind of air punch right. a bit when that happens. So stalking, but with an excuse. Yeah, yeah. and it also helps because uh, the most recent interview I did uh, was with this chef called Mike McInerney, and he had worked in a restaurant owned by Damien Hurst, who's that controversial young British artist. Not so young anymore. <laughs> um, and I said, what was it like, you know, working as a chef for this, like, crazy artist? And he's like, oh, you know, it was crazy, but let's not talk about that, which is a thing you don't want to hear when you're doing a conversation podcast. And I'd read this article from three years ago where the chef, Mike McInerney, said that period was the penis years. <laughs> and so I was like, yes, but in this interview with Terry Durack, you described it as the penis years. Can you, just, you know, can you talk about what that means? And I knew because it had been in a published interview he should be okay talking about it because it's already in the public domain. So that was one way to kind of steer out that of that cul-de-sac of like, oh, it's crazy, but I'm not going to talk about it. Thank you. Karma? Levins and I probably fall into the other category of not preparing at all. Thanks. I'll, 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 I'll join you under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I read a lot of shit on the internet anyway every day. That's research. Um, that's research. And... That's not to sound arrogant in any way, but I feel like because I have a co-host, um, Brody Lancaster, and um, the nature of our podcast is to have a conversation about something that we're both consuming that sort of is falls within the wide label of pop culture, um, a lot of it is like we don't consciously go into each episode or didn't even really consciously go into the show thinking, oh, these are the themes that we want to cover and these are the like critiques that are out there already and this is what we want to present. But just in our conversation, like, of course, our research quotation marks comes out because we spend a lot of time on the internet. <laughs> and so I like, I'll be like, oh yeah, I read this essay about this, but it's like not conscious preparation. And also like with preparation, like just do what works for you. Like, um, each of our episodes have been 
um, created without any sponsor, <laughs> without any like trying to be a sponsorship ad here. But essentially, on Facebook Messenger, we just like message each other an idea and then talk it out and then meet like that week and record it. So I think just whatever works for you. Yeah, when when I started um, Hey Fam, which is a pop culture podcast, that was like, oh, we're going to see every movie, we're going to watch every television show, we're going to play every video game, we're going to read every comic book. Yeah. Um, and I did that, but my co-host didn't. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but it became, and I think this is why I listen to so many podcasts again and again, is because you end up really, really just enjoying the banter between these hosts that you spend an hour with every single week. And sometimes they might show up to their podcast completely underprepared, and then they end up riffing on something so stupid for 15 minutes, and that's your favorite part of the podcast. And then that feedback gets back to them and they're like you know what we're going to keep doing less and less research <laughs> and that's what we've done now now it's kind of about our friendship and we just happen to like all this dumb nerdy stuff but also weird things will happen like last week I diagnosed my co-host with sleep apnea um, <laughs> you're an MD and, and it was, as well <laughs> it was hilarious <laughs> but uh, you know weird things like that happen when when you're not really feeling the void you're just riffing you're allowing the conversation you know it's a conversational podcast so we, to, to go, and now we're going to talk about this. That's killing the conversation. So, I mean, you, it doesn't matter how much research you've done. I mean, it's yeah. important when you're interviewing, but I think if you, are, if you are killing a conversation like Lee Tran is trying to do, well, I'm telling you this important fact. <laughs> <laughs> but Just also kidding. being Just aware of your other guests is also another <laughs> of bit of conversation. <laughs> I was going to say that even though you claim not to do research because you are so into these topics, you can take something that I have no clue about, like video games and that Japanese video game maker who made Metal Gear Solid and talk about his weird amputation fetish. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's interesting. Like, you just already absorb a lot of stuff about the things you're keen from, from, about. From reading shit on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, uh, back it up, that it depends on your project, but really everyone is doing preparation whether they know it or not. I've sat through script writing meetings being incredibly high you know intensity about certain pauses in certain sequences and i've also been at a place where they they intentionally didn't talk about what they were going to talk about to keep the reactions fresh so it's just a way of judging what works and just trying stuff out i, I should admit that um i both lee tran and i host food podcasts and a lot of the time we'll like have the same guests on um, and often my research for certain guests is just listening to her episodes with them. <laughs> She's very thorough. What a lovely loop. Okay, that's moved us on beautifully to co-hosts. Uh, let's talk with you. you. Levins, let's go with you. You've got several different podcasts and different people you work with. What makes a good co-host? Uh, I guess just an understanding that you both want the same thing out of the podcast, first and foremost. Like, I don't know, if, if, if someone is doing it because they want to turn it into something they can sell and the other person is just doing it because they like hearing their own voice once a week, that's two things that are eventually going to come to a head and you're going to clash. So I think like the, the most important thing when you set out to do something with somebody else is making sure you're on the same track and then checking in with each other every few months mm -hmm. before you're, you know, if, if, you, if your podcast is getting big, bigger, make sure it's still you're both doing the same amount of work or, you know, the, the work that you're both comfortable with mm. and, uh, you know, no one, no one feels forced into it because the other one is more keen than the other. Um, but I think, yeah, it's... And also make sure you hang out with your co-host outside of recording with them or else it really... You, 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 it's not a co-host, they're your co-worker. Um, and, I, and I mean, you know, people are have different co-hosts that they're not necessarily friends with before starting the podcast, but... I, all, all mine have been quite good friends and yeah, that, that's, you know. You, well, you that's a good place for Kamla to come in because she did not know Brodie Lancaster that well. Well, 
Brody and I were internet friends for a while, um, for a f- like a few months or maybe a year. And um, yeah, so the third time I ever met Brody was in the recording studio for our first ever episode. Um, and when I tell people that, they're like legitimately very shocked. Um, but that's kind of like the best part. So of our podcast I think because as each episode develops and as this season's developed so is our friendship and um whilst that could be like really awkward to listen to to hear two people get to know each other um and form a friendship in a podcast it's actually quite beautiful because we're doing it over shared interests and shared perspectives and the conversations that we're having um are kind of building our show but also building our relationship um and it's, I mean, it, it has its challenges at times because we're still getting to know each other and so, like, um, cues in terms of conversation and we're getting better at not talking over each other and knowing each other's strengths and weaknesses I think is really important. Like, not not that Brody has any weaknesses, if you're listening, Brody. Um, <laughs> but the idea that, for example, one of the things that she said that she really likes about recording with me is that... Um, I'm really good when I know that she's getting off track and this will kind of come to our conversation about editing, but I will try and loop her back into the conversation because we know that we want like a certain time format and so it doesn't drag and she's very good at having all the ideas and I kind of moderate that discussion when I know that it's flowing really well. Leetran, you've got a slightly different situation to all of us that you do it yourself and your co-host changes most weeks. How do you keep that going? Um, That can be fun and a little scary. Often if it's someone I can't really research that well because they're not a very well-known chef. Um, But that can be a fun challenge. I remember one guy, I didn't really know that much about him, and this is the Bomb Squad guy. Can I like quickly tell the story? Sure, go for your life. Um, So I start out each podcast by saying, oh, was food a big deal when you were growing up? And he starts telling a story. I was like, oh, except for an incident with the Bomb Squad, blah, 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 blah. And he's like going and going. And I'm still like, Bomb Squad. He said Bomb Squad. Um, And then so he finishes his answer and I say, oh, were you joking when you talked about the Bomb Squad or... Was that for real? I said, oh, yeah. So I think he was like six years old and his mum was sick upstairs and he was hungry and he was like, I know how to cook. And he went to the kitchen and got a can of tin spaghetti. He's like, you just, you know, turn on the gas and just put the tin like right on the gas. And that's what he did. And he went to watch a TV show he shouldn't have watched and he totally forgot about it. And of course, the tin explodes like right through the roof, right? (laughs) Clean holes through the roof. His next door neighbour used to be in the Israeli army and she's, she's like, I know what that sound is. It's a bomb. <laughs> so she rings the bomb squad. His poor mum who's been sitting upstairs like having, you know, she's got the flu, comes down in her nightie, opens the door and there's the bomb squad on her doorstep. Uh, she doesn't know. And he was like, that was not the only time where my mum had to answer the door in her nightie and she had no idea what was going on. Um, and so he got banned from cooking um, but he would just always do it when his parents were out and like clean really thoroughly afterwards. And then eventually he became a chef. That's amazing. Wow. Well, okay. We will all take that in for a while. Uh, <laughs> now, a lot of different pl- places, this is the sort of golden answer. There, there is no right or wrong, I think, to this. But what do you do to build a committed audience? Everyone wants to know that. Engage with them as much as possible. 
Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people make the mistake of when they start their podcast, they immediately just try and push it onto their friends. Your friends aren't going <laughs> to fucking listen to your podcast. Like they, they, they. No, are, no, no. What they say is, oh yeah, but they don't. So it's <laughs> like, yeah. and actually, you don't want them to. They, yeah. they will only listen to your podcast if someone who they don't realize, like someone who doesn't know you, recommends it to them. And like, oh yeah, I know them. I listen to that podcast. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, I mean, like, it, it is. It's pretty easy. I don't know. I don't know how the fuck the iTunes algorithm works, but when you start a new podcast, you do some for some reason somehow end up for a short amount of time or maybe a long amount of time. Doesn't really. I don't know how it works, but you'll appear in the uh, the iTunes page. You will get listeners in there, and the podcast people that find those podcasts are the ones that write into you first. Mm. Hold on to them with all your life (laughs) because they'll. That's how you build your. Like as soon as someone writes in and says you know, I enjoyed this part of the episode. Just write a really lovely reply back, you know, use Twitter, use Facebook, use all your social network stuff. And if anyone gives you a compliment, give them one back. And that's how you build that. You Because you want to thank them for being a listener and you want them to tell other people to listen to your podcast. So yeah. engage them and, and, and be as nice and warm as, as you would want to be welcomed into someone's house when they listen to your podcast. I have a really good anecdote about this. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Yeah, so we do sort of running segments on our show um, each week. One of them is Riz Watch. Um, Riz Ahmed, shout out to Riz Ahmed. Um, but uh, and, and so it's like becomes an ongoing conversation in terms of like people tweet at us with like what's going on with Riz Watch. And um, a few weeks ago, Brody went to this gig um, in Melbourne and uh, was like, okay, I, I need to go to the bathroom. So goes to the toilet and um, pushes open a cubicle which she thinks is vacant there's actually a person in the in the cubicle and she pushes it open and she's like oh shit I'm so sorry like I'll just I'll leave and the person in, on the cubicle seats or the, on the toilet seat says oh my gosh I love your podcast your podcast's great <laughs> and that was their like first reaction to being caught on the seat and and Brody like immediately texted me saying what what who are our fans like who are these people they're amazing and so toilet users apparently yeah. The next episode, we did a shout-out to this fan without knowing who she was. Um, and then Brody went to a gig two weeks later and this woman comes up to her and says, I was the toilet girl. You shouted us out in the episode. I've told all my friends about it. And it's just like, yeah, make sure that you treat them almost like they're, part, like they're friends that you're catching up with. And if, you, if someone says something really nice, like talk about them on the podcast. Like don't just like self-adulate, but... And in toilets, do aggressive marketing. Yeah. Well, she didn't do marketing. <laughs> um, yeah, even though I haven't had anything as one-on-one as that, um, uh, at the end, if I get, like, a nice iTunes review, I might say, like, thanks to so-and-so for the nice iTunes review. Um, yeah, and I think having guests does help because you're kind of bringing in a lot of different people. Often people who are like, I've, I actually don't know what a podcast is. Mm. So then you're kind of spreading it out through their networks. And yeah, I've gotten like an email from someone who said they listened to my podcast while doing their electrical engineering <laughs> thesis. So yeah, it's nice to kind of, I guess, pay it back and Yeah, you know, and the flip engage. of that is, is, is being a guest on other people's podcasts. I'm happy to be a guest on anyone who, who if, no matter if, if the podcast is something I have no no idea about like I've been on a Walking Dead podcast I've never watched one episode of that show <laughs> but if, 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 if anyone here has a podcast and you're looking for a guest I'll be a guest I, 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 I just love podcasting it's fun I'll, I'll, I'll be in touch on Monday uh, <laughs> I can talk about this because uh, 
being part of big media organizations, we ha do have a huge leverage over people. And the Bugle had this incredible community of very childish people who would contact us with funny stuff from the get-go. We were amazed. We set up a t an email address. This was pre-Twitter, pre, well, it was actually around, but pre the uptake of social media. And it created this enormous, not only funny stuff sent in, but funny pictures. People did remixes of stuff we did. They sent in videos. It was absolutely good ones. It was really fantastic to get this unbidden volume of stuff. And we'd often create shows just from that. If you give people the opportunity, and you know, coming from where, where, what we had all been, John, Andy, and I were a BBC comedy uh, department that did its best to distance itself from its audience as best as possible. It was great to be able to sort of have unfiltered this crazy stuff being sent to us. So um, yeah, like, it, but the positive thing and feeding back and talking to them was really important too, of just going, thanks so much for that, that was great, that must have taken you hours. Are you employed? You know, that kind of stuff was really, really good. Now, uh, we are going to answer, there's no right, no right answer to this either, but for what we've got off the track from working with you guys in your TV uh, podcast idea, so What's sorry. What's it called? Square-Eyed Girls. Good. Right, log on, everyone. Uh, log on. Uh, to edit or not to edit? That's the question. No. no. <laughs> I do. I edit. do. Yes. And we're not going to get, until we agree, we're not going to continue. So we'll just stare at each other awkwardly. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I used to edit a lot um, when I was starting out, but that's because I used to fuck up a lot. And now I have reached a peak where, where I fuck up enough that I'm okay with like you know it's, uh, if, if a fuck up free podcast is a boring one I don't want to listen to but just the right amount of fuck ups is that is a sweet spot you want to look for I think you know you can tell if something is completely pristine and clear of like you know people screwing up sentences um, or you know mis mispronouncing someone's name I, I love that kind of stuff in there it keeps it like I said the candid conversation is why I yeah. keep coming back to conversational podcasts so I think uh, it's you know you want the real deal and Plus, I, I don't like listening to it in my own voice for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, editing is a lot of work. Um, but that aside, I think maybe when I say no editing, I we do editing sort of at the start or during the conversation. And that's more efficient, I think, than like having three hours of tape and then trying to cut it down into like bite pieces of magic. Um, so during the conversation we'll kind of like at the start we might have like five dot points down in terms of like things that we want to talk about and make sure that we're keeping to point in the conversation rather than having to like just edit drivel yeah um i do a light ish edit where i think if you were listening you probably don't think i edit it but i think because you guys have co-hosts and you can rely on the content being pretty consistent whereas I have a different person every time and some people are gold and from mm. like the first second everything they're saying is like an amazing soundbite some people take 25 minutes to really warm up and if you I like, know those people <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know like if I listen to like 30,000 podcasts I know that if something's boring within the first few minutes I'm probably not going to keep listening so I wouldn't expect my listener yeah. to like wade through that waffle that is exactly how i edit if i'm getting bored someone else must be so my thing is i'm very lucky to be part of an organization where i can i am paid to to, to edit but i edit and also comedy needs to be edited if uh, australia's fm radio Bre breakfast radio show network will teach you anything comedy needs to be planned 
and edited and written, not done by people who are vaguely half awake and just chiedin. Um My thing is that I'm trying to rebuild a culture that, that, I, that, that I think the English-speaking world has lost, which was comedy purely through sound takes an awful lot of work. And that's, if you're just doing a chat-based one, you still need to prepare. You still, if you're going to be funny, funny takes work. Some people are witty, that's slightly different. You've got to prepare, but scripted, that's the most long-form thing you can do. It's amazing when it comes off, and we're still trying and playing around with that form, and I'm looking forward to that, but yeah, it's... Yeah. Editing's good, people. Get into it. But I realise... Disagree. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, it, it depends I'm... on the production. Yeah. I'm nodding, but I'm saying no in my head. <laughs> uh, from a practical perspective, because it is really laborious and boring and I can spend nine hours on something that when you listen, you're like, this was edited? Um, <laughs> because I keep in like a, bit, a few of the ums and a bit of the waffle so it does feel natural. Yeah, yeah. But um, sometimes I just don't have as much time. I've got other work to do. So I might edit like the first half because I feel like if you've gotten through the first half, you're probably sucked in enough yeah, yeah. to be like, oh, I'll listen, you know, maybe there are three anecdotes at the end that kind of a bit circular, yeah. but you, you've made that investment. But you can't expect people to wade through like a lot of boring no. schlock to no. get to the good stuff. Uh, duration is my last consideration. What do you think? Um, well, I, um, I go for a longer amount of time just because um, I can and sometimes it takes maybe like an hour and a half to get to like a really good hour, 45-minute conversation. And I feel like you kind of – it almost feels a bit this is your life when I do these interviews because you get such a rounded mm. view from like when they were this delivery boy who listened to Kiss and delivered vegetables to Neil Perry to when they're, you know, working illegally in New York for 12 years and somehow don't get caught. Um, so you get like a strong idea of um, – I mean, the word journey is a bit cheesy, but it does feel like a bit of yeah. a journey. Yeah. Um, our podcast tends to go for shorter, like I think between like 30 to 50 minutes and that, I don't know why, I, maybe because like, I don't know why that came about, but it just works for what we want to talk about. And it's like there are other podcasts out there that will – in meticulously meticulous detail analyze every aspect of some pop culture thing and they're all meant to be like quite specific to that area of pop culture so there might be one just about the tv show survivor or there might be one just about every episode of the kardashians or one just about i wish there was one just about riz ahmed but there isn't one i think ours is the official riz ahmed podcast that's your but, next side project isn't um it? <laughs> but because our topics are so broad-ranging it's kind of better to keep it shorter and punchier and just like these are our thoughts on these issues yeah. i agree with that we have a kind of rough rule of 20 half an hour yeah. but i think it depends on what you're doing if you're making a project like dan carlin's hardcore history has anyone enjoyed that six hours of history but if you're doing something very manual like boring it's actually quite fun mm -hmm. to keep you company while you do that but i'm not guessing a lot of people make it through the six hours <laughs> Or maybe I'm just being flippant, I don't know. Or The Memory Palace, which is a wonderful thing, an American podcast. That can be five minutes, but it's beautiful. And so it really depends. The only idea of duration was a hangover from the radio idea of schedules. So, Yeah, when all, when all my new podcasts come up in my feed, I actually get disappointed if like the ones I love the most aren't longer than an hour. 
Um, I have my conversation. I was like a sweet spot for a conversation. I want is like an hour, an hour ten, right. and then I have one where I review all of the comic books that come out each week, and sometimes seventy comic books come out in one week, and so I will review them all, and that will take you know, up to three hours. <laughs> and that's my most listened to podcast. People are like you know like that that one serves a purpose, and and it's like absolutely filling a weird niche thing. Like you know, when you are a comic book fan, you're like the only one of your friends that is a comic book fan, so you're looking to some for someone that also spent all their fucking money on all the comic books that came out last week and you're like, yes, he, he didn't like it too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it, but back to our idea that TV, uh, female representation in that it really can be as long as you want it to be. How much can you actually talk about it? <laughs> if you can talk about it for three hours, go for your life. All right, look, that's kind of us. So uh, happy to take a few questions. Can we get the mic? Uh, there we go. The mic is over there. Anyone got any questions? Um, especially with the podcast with two co-hosts, what are like easy ways, especially like when it's conversational, like you're kind of ripping off each other, what are like easy ways to kind of more distinguish the different people, like the different co-hosts as such? Accents. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got one way of doing it. It's called a separate tracks. Record people on separate tracks and then you can, you don't have to worry about talking over each other. You can just shift in a slight edit and... You'll, you'll never lose any great stuff. But that's a bit fiddly. Yeah, my answer's definitely less technical. Um, I think just if you... If the two co-hosts are both interested in a topic but different enough, that voice or the differences just come through. Like, um, I mean, the like the one-line description of our podcast is two women who consume the world and vice versa. But we both come at issues really differently and have really different perspectives on um, like why we like something or why we don't like something. And as long as that's coming out in the conversation, then like, don't, I don't know, like your listeners aren't dumb, like they'll work it out. And I, I think like saying, yes, Levens, that's a great answer. Now I, Kamna will talk, is just like, you know, patronising to the listener. So as long as your voice in the like poetic sense is unique then um it doesn't really matter i think well one of you could just be angry every episode the other one could be crying yeah (laughs) in comedy there is a sort of rough rule of thumb of three voices at a time any more is very confusing that's not to say you can't have more people but you need to be very clear i think in in that world where it's a fictional world and you're trying to get people there and there's a plot that's quite tricky but in a conversational strict conversational yeah two or three voices yeah it helps that someone's got a slightly different voice but you know as as it develops people start you know you recognize who how people speak as well when the mission started um i had a, a zoom h6 recorder which can record six voices at, at a time so i thought it'd be a great idea to, for it to be a panel show and so every episode for the first 30 had all six mics used so we had six guests sometimes we had eight guests um, and we would just pass the mics around and um we have a review that managed to do it before we did, and the review is too many cooks. <laughs> but yeah, now we have three three guests. <laughs> Anyone else? Um, a question about um, the start of an episode. Do you guys think it's a good idea to like signpost your like you say you're talk- discussing three movies? Are you going to signpost those three at the beginning, or is that a hangover from radio that we can get a sizzle you know, dispense with? The sizzle reel. Um, yeah. I mean, I think at the beginning, I mean, you can, I, I definitely keep that sometimes when I try to anyway, you know, it's just, you don't necessarily say like, you know, 15 minutes from now, we're going to do this half an hour. We'll do this. I just say like today in the show, we're going to talk about Wonder Woman, Star Wars and Lego or something. And, uh, 
that's literally what most episodes of my podcast are about. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I think I think it is cool just to kind of because then it actually gives you guys a uh, like the hosts an idea of where you need to get before the end of the episode, and then you will try and at least minimize the waffle because you know you have to get to those topics that you promise at the start of the episode. I would say for me, it's incredibly. It is a hangover from radio, but not many people read the text that you've lovingly created. It's just a great way to remind, but don't dwell on it. Three lines. Or you can do the annoying NPR thing of, so I was here standing in the middle of the bridge and then it hit me. Find out what happens. <laughs> this is S-Town or something like that. Like, oh. That is a hangover from radio, but it's just a way of kind of hitting people quickly, but just reminding them just... It, I think it's a good thing. The worst is when they introduce a conversation they had. Like, in this conversation, me and my friend Karen talked about blah, blah, blah. And we came to the realization that blah, 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 blah. And then they play the conversation. It's like, you just told me what you did in the conversation. <laughs> I was out outside of New York and I was very threatened. <laughs> um, I, I just wanted to quickly say that because I do a podcast where each guest is different each week and of varying levels of fame, I do do an intro where I explain who they are and how they almost died in a giant fireball at a <laughs> pop-up event that they staged. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, a lot of people say they don't really know anything about food, but they still listen to my podcast. So it's just a way to kind of like hook people in at the start. So hopefully they'll keep listening to the end. Um, I was interested when you all were like, no, we don't edit. So I wonder like how you deal with uncomfortable moments in your conversations with guests or with your co-hosts. <laughs> Just leave, like, leave them in as long as everyone's comfortable with it being in. Um, so we've had a few guests on the show and um, all of them we invited because on the show, not necessarily to talk about like one pop culture thing, oh, although Alex Neal, we were like, you know everything about fan fiction, we want you on our show. But um, there were times like, for example, um, when Amrita Heppy was talking to us, we were talking about um, Australia Day and about how um, there, you know, there's this obsession with not wanting to talk about invasion and how, like, in Aboriginal Australians are constantly asked about it around that time of the year, yet the conversation never wants to progress. And even though she's incredibly articulate, she, like, at that point, she was just like, fuck, this is really tiring conversation. And keeping that in kind of makes it like what that conversation is about. And so as long as, you know, Amrita and Brody and I were happy about it being in there, that's fine. I think it's more about like the danger of editing. And if you if something like that happens, of course, like edit it out. But it's more about um, more about having a conversation that doesn't feel scripted because um, there are scripted podcasts out there and people subscribe and listen to them because they like that conversation. But if there's a uncomfortable like in-betweenness between the two. I think that it kind of sucks. Yeah, I should have elaborated. So if, I, if something happens while I'm recording, then I'm like, oh man, that was awkward. That was wrong. That was a long gap or whatever. I'll remember that. I'll make a mark, note to go and edit that. But I think when, when I first started, I actually used to meticulously go through and listen to every episode before I put it up. And I think, you know, in the end, you maybe you scrape 10 seconds of ums and ahs. And you're like, well, I, spent, I could have spent that time doing anything else. And that would have been a better, better, better use of my time. So I think, you know, my listeners can deal with a few ums and ahs. 
and I'll just take out the actual troublesome parts. When I, when I had six chefs on, like the biggest thing I'd have to edit was them calling things gay. And you're like, no, I don't want to put that out into the world. So yeah, that was, uh, that was when I had all the edit button going, going ham. I've had to edit out things because I thought like potentially it could be defamatory. Like, yeah. um, someone, You have to be careful with that, I have to say, yes. Yeah, like someone talking about how they saw their head chef punch someone in the face during service. And I knew oh, that... Oh, no, wait, it was another guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew that that head chef had punched someone, but it wasn't the same person. So it's, I thought just to be careful. That's something we do need to stress. It doesn't matter if you're an indie podcaster or ABC. If you put that out and you're not aware of you can be sued by that person so be very careful uh with stuff like that or just don't interview chefs who punch people <laughs> it was you his head know. chef it wasn't him <laughs> no excuse thank you um so hi guys my name's esther and i'm a like a uni student at sydney university i'm poor um and i'm thinking it's a great of... podcast intro <laughs> <laughs> well it's nice segue so um I'm thinking of starting a podcast, but I mean, how you guys all seem relatively young, seem to do, be doing like indie, indie uh, podcasts. So my question is like, how do you kind of get started? And like, what technology do you use? Someone previously was like, I use my iPhone for my first podcast. Um, yeah, any recommendations? And what do you guys use now? Yeah, iPhones sound great. Honestly, like if you yeah, are, if you, if you are like, you know, thinking about dipping your toe in the water, don't spend the money until you're sure. Record a few things. If you if you and your friend both have an iPhone and use it like a microphone, then you can use the GarageBand program, which is free with any MacBook, and then you put the two tracks in there at the same time, and then you've got a podcast. Like it's re- very very cheap, as in free to 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 do that. And then you can you know, even if it's for your own benefit, just to listen back to to see if it's something that you like creating. Do that before spending money. My recommendation for not using your iPhone is just because your iPhone has like everything and you're constantly worried it's going to run out of battery. Um, I only use my iPhone for potentially notes um, and just having like a dedicated piece of recording equipment um, just is one less stressful thing to worry about because you know it's not going to die out of battery in the middle of your interview when someone's saying something juicy. And it's weird but people take it People are way impressed when you turn up and you don't use an iPhone. So it's really funny because I'm like, it's just a piece of equipment, but just because I plug in some microphones um, into like a Zoom recorder. And I feel like, yes, maybe do try the iPhone thing. But if you, what I started with was like a a Zoom H4n, which you can plug into microphones. I had like no experience. Someone at a wedding showed me how to use it. Like I turn up at this wedding with all this equipment I just bought because I really mistimed. I went to Taramara Music to buy it and it took so long to get back. I had to go to this wedding. You're not selling this buying recording <laughs> thing, are you? <laughs> but like, he was able to show me in like two seconds how to use okay. that equipment. You, um, have a, you have a Zoom H6 now, right? Yeah, <laughs> which you got for my birthday. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, um, I would say <clears throat> if you're just starting out, iPhone's great, but what's so important is where you're doing it. So you don't need to find a soundproof space, but don't do it in a cafe with the food court screech, you know, the chairs being dragged across, lots of people in the background. Find a quiet place with, like, this is good. Come here. Uh, But places with curtains, carpets, quiets, with lots of fabric, make the sound sit really nicely. So, I'm sorry, Kamala, were you going to say something? I was just going to say, if you're a uni student, like... 
inquire about like programs out there that you can use their studios oh, yeah, yeah like um sin radio in like melbourne is sick like you know you get to go in there and you might do some shifts and actually get on the radio but also then you can use their facilities to like record whatever your passion project is on the side Brody and i record mainly at triple r radio in um melbourne and that came about because Brody was doing some graveyard shifts there and they were like, yeah, sure, use our equipment. And even though we have other spaces and mics to do it with, um, you know, they're willing to have us. And so, like, ask for free and, like, people will give you things. Yeah, they can only say no. Yeah. So I think one of you briefly touched on interacting via social media. So when I think of podcasts, and I remember this came up in the startup podcast, is that it seems so disconnected, right? It's an MP3 going into a pretty messy app. Um, so how do you guys use social media? How do you know it's – and how do you see it translating new success in your actual podcast and vice so, versa, I guess? Um, I've, I've started up Facebook pages um, for each of my podcasts. Um, one of them actually has a um, like a thousand-member strong Facebook group, like a chat group. Um, so people discuss the episodes and, and everything related to the podcast in there and it's people from all over the world. Um, and then for one of my other podcasts, we started a Patreon and one of the like goals was if you, if you give us $4 a month, you can start a private chat with us and other listeners who also would like to part with $4 a month and we just give you our hot takes on no matter what. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It's just like, yeah, there are lots of fun, creative ways that you can create a community within social media. I know a lot of, you know, most podcasts will just start like an Instagram account or a Twitter page and hope for followers. But I think Facebook is the easiest way to use it to engage with the community. Yeah. On the flip side though, don't use it in a toilet. <laughs> no, like on the flip side though, what really matters is if people are listening. And so like we, uh, like Sprody and I do this as our side hustle. And so we don't have a whole lot of time to put into it. And we made a conscious decision at the start that we weren't going to spend like hours and hours trying to keep a social media presence. We'd rather put that into developing a good episode, getting the episode out. And it's kind of worked for us because even though we might not have like huge amounts of followers on social media, like we know how many people are listening in and there's more and more each episode. There's a like it's constant with each episode. And so it doesn't really matter how your message is getting out. And I don't think you should get obsessed with a social media presence at the risk of like sort of not having people tune in every week. I think also sometimes the not obvious social media can be effective. So I would think Instagram's not like amazing for um, sharing your podcast, but a chef who listened posted about it on his Instagram and I immediately got a really big spike. Um, from a practical perspective, I don't use this because I'm like stuck with Libsyn, which is like the audio server that everyone used when I started like five years ago. Libsyn's good. Yeah, but Wooshka, from what I understand, you can like take snippets of audio and put it on Facebook and it will play in Facebook. It's a very good th – Wooshka do a great job with sh taking little clips out and promoting it. We have our own little uh, audiogram generator. We take a, an image from the program tile and put a 30-second funny clip up. Anything with pictures or video gets bumped up the algorithm on both Facebook and Twitter and maybe Instagram as well. I would just say, but don't rely on it. It's – Social media is great and all, but sound has still a problem with being viral. There's an obsession with things being viral. The average engagement with a podcast is over 20 minutes. The average engagement with a social media post is what, 20 seconds? So it's different form, really, I think. And, of course, you have a social media presence and you keep it up to date and you're nice to the people who are nice to you and you block the people who are not. <laughs> um, Very but <clears throat> it's not the end, be all and end all. 
Podcast is a very different space. And I think a lot of people try and be, let's, let's cut through on social media. And you've got to realize that social media companies don't want you clicking to go outside their ecosystem anymore. Facebook, looking at you. Um, uh, can I say, I wonder if it's also more effective to just say in your podcast, hey, if you like it, like tell your friends to like download it on their phone or in word iTunes. Word of mouth is the big thing. Anyone else? Um, maybe taking the conversation in a slightly different direction. I was wondering if the process of making podcasts, if you've noticed that, um, help you in other areas of your life, help you develop skills. I know I just, I, I noticed that you are all very comfortable in public speaking, for example. I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lee Chan and I know each other through FBI radio and in fact, a few people in the room as well. Um, so, I mean, that, that's my background. So that's why I'm a confident speaker, I guess. But uh, I guess when you do talk about things that you have like a passing interest in or you're a fan of, it quickly, quickly, like, you know, talking about something for a, an hour a week for a year, you suddenly move from a fan to a somewhat of an, of a, of an expert, you know, in, in your niche subject. So, yeah, I, I think you are more confident in, in putting your opinions out there and being more of an authority on things. Is that appealing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe I can talk about this because I have found myself in the position where I have like multiple titles in terms of my, my profession might be. Um, so I'm a lawyer and I, I'm a freelance writer as well. And podcasting kind of came just like as a coincidence to what I wanted to do. But it's actually really helped me in terms of honing my craft about having um, in my freelance writing, like a really clear idea about how to develop um, a conversation about something in my writing. I think through being able to talk through um, critical discourse in relation to pop culture, like my views in relation to writing, like I feel like sometimes I'll be talking during a podcast and I'll just have like a pitch come up in my mind about why this is like, that's why I wrote a piece about diversity on Riverdale, which is a TV show which you guys should know about. But um, because we talked about Riverdale in the podcast and I found myself having all these views about it that I was like, I want to put this to paper. And so if you are someone who, you know, also not just doesn't want to like have one hustle, wants to have many hustles, then I think podcasting is really useful. In term and you'd write and make. Yeah, I was going to say that there's been a lot of talk uh, at Audiocraft today about like monetizing your podcast and sometimes like I don't know if like my audience is like massive enough to ever make money but something I found that so I've been doing it for five years and next week I'm doing like these emceeing events at Carriageworks where I'm going to like emcee these like dinners and I find that wow that is maybe like a payoff from doing like five years of podcasts um, even though I haven't spent the time getting like oh where's where's my windfall so sometimes things pay off down the track they might not be obvious but if you love it enough you know you keep going and also you have like great anecdotes to tell at parties like I've told that bomb squad story so many times <laughs> I just trade off it all the time and sometimes it's a nice when you're in a situation where you don't really want to talk about yourself but you can talk about like interesting things you've discovered while interviewing people as well so i think we're getting to the end uh please thank our wonderful uh panel and um please do come and bother me and the others if you want to chat a bit more uh Two things podcasts have given me in my life, this wonderful multiverse of new and crazy 
amazing voices that radio in its institution has ignored. And the second thing happened to me at the time was on my first week, I have to tell you. I was there on my Windows XP computer trying to make a podcast work. And this man stumbled over, a very aged journalist who was about to retire, smelling of scotch. And he said, ah, you're the podcast fellow, aren't you? And I went, uh, yes. What, what is it? What is the pod? Can I get in it? And I said... <laughs> To which the answer was, of course, yes. <laughs> and he goes, where is it? And I, it's under my desk. So he started rooting around. I can't see it. And I go, keep going, keep going. You're making fun of me, aren't you? <laughs> and that was the greatest moment of my life. So <laughs> thank you all. That was Tom Wright, Kamna Murugani, Lee Tranlan and Andrew Levins speaking at the Audiocraft conference. This session was recorded on the day by ABCRN and the series is produced by Beck Fari. Music by James Milsom. Subscribe to our podcast and hear more sessions like this. And like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at audiocraftconf. And we have a newsletter. You should subscribe at audiocraft.com.au.